Okay, so I think uh, we're getting the thumbs up, and it sounds like we're live, and uh, we are on time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> 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 is that the first? Well, yeah, it is actually. <laughs> so, uh, let me see. I'm I'm still looking up the lesson here. Um, just getting it on my phone. You guys can, you know, obviously you guys are on the paper versions of these things. So, um, dying like a seed is our lesson. We have some guests with us today. Uh, now, you guys have seen Dave and Ruth a couple of weeks ago. They they taught the lesson, well, probably about a month ago, actually. Yeah, it was right? a month ago. It was exactly a month ago. Yeah, we take every second Sabbath. Every second Sabbath. So you guys are going to, if you guys like to watch Dave and Ruth uh, every second Sabbath, and of course, um, you know, no matter what, we'd love to have you guys tune in anyways. So, um, so yeah, uh, anyways, we have Ricky with us. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> we have uh, Bertha behind the scenes. She's pushing the buttons, and my wife is taking a hiatus. And uh, so with that, let's get started. Um, one thing before we get started, actually, uh, we have some we, – we said we were going to do a giveaway. So we have these uh, these three magazines. I don't know if you guys can see these or not. Here's one, and then here's another one. And awesome one. Awesome. Is that one a good events? one? Yeah, of yeah, course. They, they look all good. And they're, I mean, these are all like full gloss, co- you know, colored. Um, I mean, very well done. I mean, it looks like a lot of work went into these. We are offering these as a free giveaway. We'll mail them to you guys. Um, all you have to do is contact us at prophecymontana at gmail.com. Or, of course, we're coming to you live on Facebook right now. So you guys can. Uh, contact us through the I don't even know what our email is but if you guys are a, a member of the page I don't think it's hard to find I got to figure out how to do that I haven't even done <laughs> I haven't either <laughs> I, I haven't even tried to find the email on the web page so still learning <laughs> yeah we're, we're still learning I mean every day's a an adventure for us so yeah contact us let us know um and if you guys can't find us on our email hit us up in the comments or something but remember you can always contact us on on prophecy montana at gmail.com or or the facebook and 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 that is also i'd like to remind you as well uh that we're also available this is this is being recorded right now as as we're coming to you live it's going to be uploaded later on to rumble and youtube and spotify anchor and stitcher and, and you know the the podcast platforms and stuff like that so uh with that, I'll you got through it. hand this over to Dave and Ruth, and they're going to teach a lesson. Shall we have a word of prayer for us? Hey, yes, man. sir. Yes, sir. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to study your word. We pray now that as we look at this lesson today, that uh, you will send your Holy Spirit to be with us, that our words might be your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, when I took a look at this title of the lesson, I got stuck on the first words as dying. (laughs) And I have to tell you, I'm not enamored with that title. Uh, I've seen enough death that I I don't really like it. And so I was wondering, what in the world are we talking about? But then I read the rest of it. It says, dying like a seed. Mm. That brings up a whole different set of connotations to the word dying, to what it might mean. I remember Paul saying, I die daily. What do you think he meant by that, Ricky? He has to die of self. The self uh, want. (laughs) It's not a physical death. No, it's a, well, I don't know, kind of might be a little bit. I mean, it's not, no, physically, but it's it's a death of uh, self. 
A death of self. What's the matter with self? It's evil. Do we have a problem? It's evil? wicked. Well, nothing was wrong with myself until I realized? met the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly I realized there was a lot wrong with me. What was it? Looked at the law? Because, the law was our tutor? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because prior to that, it was everybody else was the problem. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the human condition, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're always taught you go out and you make for yourself your life. Right. Yep. 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 That, that's, that's what we're taught. Whatever's good, whatever feels good is right. And there you go. Do do whatever you can. To well, I have it. a news flash for you. That isn't true. No, nope. it's not something we should be doing. Oh no! Wow. Oh. So we're going to find out why. Okay. <laughs> All right. Our memory text this morning is found in the book of John, chapter twelve, verse twenty-four. And it says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. How would you apply that to your life here on earth? Dying like a seed. Life here on earth. Well... I mean, well, we know what once a seed dies, in other words, when it's taken from its parent and it's dried out, I mean, it, by all appearances, looks dead. But we know that there is life in it still. I mean, it's it's been taken from its parent plant. It's not a plant yet, is it? Right. It's just It was just a part of that plant mm-hmm. that is a, just a dried up whatever. And then, but of course, as we know, if we put that in the ground and we water it, do you and think, what was your question? Well, do you, do <laughs> no, you, that was pretty good. You, you did pretty good. <laughs> do you think there's something within us that is like that seed, that, that there's something inside that is waiting to come out and just needs to be nurtured? Oh. The Bible says that God gives to every man a measure of faith. Mm-hmm. But faith is something that has to grow. Okay. Jesus said if you have faith as a mustard seed— nothing will be impossible for you. So um, maybe mm. it has to do with growing your faith. Okay. Amen. Oh, okay. That's okay. awesome. Okay. See, I love these guys. They're great teachers. <laughs> <laughs> Amen for that. Jesus' Amen. picture of a kernel of wheat dying is a fascinating analogy of our submission to God's will. First, there is a falling. The kernel that falls from the wheat stalk has no control over where or how it falls to the ground. How would you compare yourself to that? Do we always know what our circumstances will be tomorrow? No. Um, in fact, I we could spend the, less, the rest of this Sabbath school talking about me, which I'm sure you guys are heartbroken that we're not going to do that. But... Uh, I have a lot of examples that could go along with that, I'm sure, as you guys as well. I mean, yeah, every day is, is just going to be a new set of problems, a new set of things that are just going to befall us, and we have no control over it. You're right. You're right. We think we do. Yeah. And that, when it goes awry, we throw our hands up and cry. and Yeah, yeah we worry and stress. I mean, I, I find myself doing over stupid things. It's like, why? The Lord's going to take care of me right. one way or another. You yeah, know what right. I mean? That's the lesson we need to learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, second, there is a waiting. As the kernel lies in the earth, it does not know what the future holds, nor do we. 
It cannot imagine what life will be like in the future, for it is only a kernel of wheat. And I would suggest that we need to look at ourselves in that light. Mm -hmm. We don't know what the future holds for us, but there is something there that God has put that he will bring to fruition later on. And third, there's the dying. This is the part I was worried about. The kernel cannot possibly become a wheat stalk unless it gives up its safe, comfortable situation as a kernel. Do we have a safe situation that we are fighting to give up? Yeah, yeah it's it's self. Uh, what's a self esteem? Uh, self esteem uh, or self preservation? There's all that thing that belongs to self that right that we try to protect, right? Right. Right. And we don't like change either. Things that are comfortable for us, even if they're not working, they still give us a measure of comfort, uh-huh. and we don't want to let go of those because yeah. we're letting go for something we're not sure what it is. Yeah. Our little pacifiers. Right. There you go. <laughs> That's All what right. they are. All right. It must die. That is, it must give up what it has always been so it may be transformed from a seed to a fruit-bearing plant. Are we supposed to be fruit-bearing plants? Yes. In what way? Uh, well, our fruit would represent our works. No, excuse me, not our works, but the works of God through us. Hmm. You know, and so much like the plant really has, I mean, if it receives water and nourishment, it's just going to become, it's going to grow into maturity, right? I mean, the same is true with us. Mm-hmm. And so we're watered. What's a... Uh, what are all these symbols that I mean we're taught? I mean, um, you know, the sunshine, you know, the the water, the 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 tilling of the soil. All these things have to come together. The fertilization, mm-hmm. you know, getting rid of the weeds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so that we don't get choked out, mm-hmm. and, and we especially don't want to become a weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what is our commission as Christians? Our commitment is to glorify God in all that we do. And be a witness. And be a witness. Spread the word. Yep. Okay, yeah. Okay, does that mean that I need to go out on the street corner and hold my Bible and start preaching and... Maybe. That's how they did it in the olden days. Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, mean, if people used to gather around, that's how Jesus did it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, is that for everybody? No, but maybe maybe he'll call some to do that. But I I get what your point is. He's not like calling all of us to just go out there and and do these things. These days, they would be, we'd be uh, called fanatics. I I remember a high school friend of mine who after graduation, I was walking down the street of our main street of our small town in California. And I heard this voice, and I turned around, and on the street corner, there that young man was with his Bible preaching. Amen. That's so awesome. You know what my reaction was? <laughs> I know. What a weirdo. I felt sorry for him. Uh, well, he could because he was being treated badly? No. He was a Because I had the wrong attitude. Oh. Ooh. I felt badly for him. He didn't feel bad for himself. Interesting. He was you know, preaching the gospel. There's a guy on YouTube, and I love watching this guy. Have you seen him? He gets out there in the streets, and he puts his cameras up and films himself preaching. He's I'm, not the guy that puts on the sackcloth bag, is he? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, but I think I've seen him, too. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, this guy gets it out in there and hands it to the people. I mean, he doesn't pull no punches, and it's amazing how it draws them. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he's telling people they're sinners, and they're going to die, and they're lost without Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Living Waters, that, that yeah, guy might, from that Living might be, Waters. That might be him. Asking if they're breaking the commandments. If they, took I just the watched Lord's that one the other day, day. yeah. yeah. Why, are, why are we so afraid of that? Yeah, right. Yeah, why is that so scary? Well, because it, it crucifies self. It puts self on oh, on the altar. Self has to die. Yeah, because oh that might blow our cool. That might uh, lessen people's opinion of us. That might make them think that we're weirdos or extremists or whatever right, they right. might think of us. What are some of the other ways other than standing on the street corner? Because that's not me. It's not me either. It should be maybe, but it's not. I don't know. At least it, not right I now. I mean, figuratively speaking, we're on the street corner now, right? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> well, this is one way. It's one way to witness. What, is and, the, what are the other ways that we can uh, spread this word? Just I, the way we treat people. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if say you're a business person, if you always treat people honestly and they come to realize that they're not going to get cheated by you. There yeah. are a lot of mm. places where you can try to deal with people, and they're going to cheat you. You yeah. have to be very aware of that. And if people see that you're not that way, that makes a big impression on people. Wow. Well, I, t- I, t- I talked to Dave and Cindy White uh, a lot. Uh, uh, did You guys met Dave and Cindy, right, the, the missionaries from up there in Poplar on the Indian mm-hmm. Reservation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, great people. But they're, they're full-time employed as missionaries, and... And they said, you know, their biggest want is not money, it's not uh, resources, it's people, you know, and there's just a lack of workers in general to do these things. Mm-hmm. And I know not everybody's cut out to do this work, and that's Dave's point here. Um, it, you, you know, everybody's called, but a few are chosen. Um, in, in other words, we're all called to the ministry, and how can we all help out in the ministry of spreading the gospel to the world? You know, Ruth made the point just in our daily lives, right? Our daily interactions with people. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I mean, that's huge. That's our witness, right? Our personal testimony. I liked what, uh, who's the Pastor Barry? Remember how one of the things that we would say a lot was uh, preach the gospel continually if necessary, use words? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then Barry says, exactly. well, you know, that's a great saying, but no, we need to use words too. <laughs> we, we do need to use words. <laughs> let, me, let me just share one little example, and that's the one that I've been using, and that is through email. I have an email group of people that I send messages to every every morning at work. Mm-hmm. It's all scriptural. It's spreading the gospel. Then, from time to time, someone will come to my office and want to discuss one of those things. Mm-hmm. So that's a way we could do it. Mm-hmm. What are some other ways? I go door to door and uh, okay. I deliver magazines, not those magazines, but s- similar. I mean, the same idea. And it's mm-hmm. all about, you know, God's Sabbath day and uh, his commandments and the three angels' message. That's why I like it, three angels' okay. message. Then, uh, yeah, like, like Ruth was saying, like in our lives, how we at, at work, I work construction and, uh, they always try to get me to fall. It's a it's a mm-hmm. test continuously. Uh, it's a good test because it's a crucible. Uh, but uh, I've seen them, how they've changed since I've been there. Even though they try to get me to screw up, when I first got there, they all seemed like they were a bunch of demons, like rrr, rrr, they're full of anger, hate, no, no happiness. And uh, 
they're not the same anymore. I don't know if they noticed it, but I definitely could notice it, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's, we make a difference. Well, it comes down to submission. I have a question here. What example of submission has Christ left for (laughs) us? Who is Christ? He he is our example. He's 100% our example. So what about his submission? Well, he was selfless enough to leave heaven, which is a wonderful place, right. and come down to this earth, which is virtually a cesspool, and he did it because he loves us. And everything that Satan could think of to throw at Jesus, he did. I mean, he had a much harder time than we do. Mm-hmm. Much. And the, the people, the Jews who had been foretold of this wonderful Messiah that was coming, even they did not accept him. They gave him all kinds of grief, and eventually they crucified him. But he bore it all without getting angry, without throwing a tantrum, without wiping them out of existence, which he could have done. Mm-hmm. Very easily, yeah. He did it because of love. And I think that the only way you can really submit to God and allow him to do what he needs to do in your life is if you are so in love with Jesus that anything he does is okay. Mm, okay. Amen. I uh, it's good. often have mentioned that when things start going bad for me and I start feeling sorry for myself, I go to the book of Job. But really? <laughs> that'll, that'll tune you up on it. It will. It will. But Job went through nothing compared to what Christ went through. That, oh, that's a good point. So that's where right. should I really be going? Yeah, Christ had to deal with it all of his life. That's right. From, yeah, from that's childbirth right. on up to his death. That's right. Yeah, that, you know, and we have to remember that, that these patriarchs in the Bible that we admire, and it's not bad to admire those traits in them because they're just really, truly in a, a reflection they're of Christ. They're all witnesses for us, you know, yeah. Those periods of times that they were a reflection of Christ— Christ. I mean, oftentimes we see them being a reflection of the human condition as well, though. We see that in them as well. Just like us. Just like (laughs) us. Admire the traits, not the person. Yep. Uh, Going further with submission for service, let's take a look at Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read verses 5 through 9. Okay. The question here is, what important message is there for us in these verses? Philippians 2, 5 through 9. Okay, so I got that one if you want me to read it. Go for it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and uh, coming in the likeness of, hang on, for some reason there, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of like interruptions in this text. And being found in the appearances of uh, wait, yeah, the likeness of man. And being found in the appearances of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. If you would have a paper Bible, that wouldn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've never had a a battery go bad in this or anything like that. I, I don't know why, but it was putting like letters and, and numbers oh. like in the front and in the middle of all the words. I had never done that before. Now here in, in verse 7, it says, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. This is God himself mm. coming to this earth in the form of man. Does that blow your mind or what? 
and he's going to wear it forever. We will always see that, won't we? Yep. He volunteered to do it. He wasn't coerced in any way. He oh. volunteered to do it. Not only did he volunteer to do it for all mankind, he said he came to save everyone, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. If there was only one, he would have done it for one. You mean if it that was just me? Blows me just away. Just little old me? Just you, of all people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or yes. even that bum over on the corner shooting yes. up drugs yeah, or drinking right. a beer. That's right. Or anybody. Yes, exactly. Anybody. Exactly. Any, other, any of our viewers. I mean, whoever's watching exactly. this. Exactly. I mean, yeah. we're, we're not. We're, he loves us all. No matter how much we may not love ourselves, mm -hmm. he loves us. That text brings to my mind the term servitude. And I wrote down a couple of things of what I think it means by servitude. Servitude is giving up what we have for what we could have. Another, another way of saying that is giving up what we, what, we, what we are for what we could be. Um, giving up what we are for what we could be. You know, on the surface, that sounds like a good trade, but when that process starts taking place, it's no fun. <laughs> no, it's painful sometimes. Yeah. 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 Why is that? Why is it painful? Because we have to leave our surroundings, our comfortable surroundings, just like that colonel. Hmm. We have to leave what we know. Get out of your comfort zone. How many times have you heard that? Yeah. Oh. It's a hard thing to do because we are human. Contemporary culture urges us all to demand and assert our rights. You ever watch people on the news? We have a right to do this, and there's nothing you can do to change that or to change our minds. Well, what does Christ say about that attitude? Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting because we're, you know, the attitude of the Christian should be that, that we're willing to to give in, to submit, you know. But to, not all the way. There should be. Well, no, there's boundaries. There's yes. But, you know, as far as like like my feelings, my emotions, my upwellings, everything that I want, I should be able to be willing to lay them on the, you know, unless. Yeah, yeah. Well, you contain into you, but when it's contained into God. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> yeah, if, it's, if, it's, if this is pertaining to God, we're not to submit. We're to hold Nothing. fast. We're yep. to be strong even unto death. Yep. Right. You know, so there is, there is things that we should stand up for. But when we're standing up for God, we're not standing up for self. No. That's not for self-interest. <laughs> but as with Jesus, the will of God may be for us to give up our rights. Those are earthly, worldly rights. Okay. In order to serve the Father in ways that will make an eternal impact for God's kingdom. This process of giving them up may be difficult and uncomfortable, creating the conditions of a crucible, which is what we've been talking about this entire quarter. Well, I had a, an experience this week uh, in, in business, um, and, it, and it was one of those things where I felt like I was right, and the client felt like they were right, and there was this conflict, right? And we were both Christians, you know? And so we kind of allowed this, this relationship that we had, this work relationship, to kind of escalate above what it should have, mm. right? And, and it grieved me afterwards 
you know, in my heart that, that I allowed myself to get angry and I'd allowed myself to, to act out. You know, I didn't say anything bad. I didn't say anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong, but it was, but it was how I let my emotions begin to control mm. the situation that I was grieved about and then I was very sorry about. And, and that was a part of me that I had thought was long gone and dead. And so I, I couldn't sleep last night. So I finally texted this individual and I apologized and he apologized. Hey man, and yes, I was, yes. I was able to sleep. Were you guys doing the praying before work like I suggested? <laughs> well, <Huh>? no. Okay. <laughs> no, we didn't take your advice, Ricky. Yeah, and, and I wish and you would have. It, it would have probably solved a lot of issues because this was a high tension, high, high, I mean, high emotional situation that we were all wrapped up in. I mean, we're, we're married to each other until this project's done. And, and it's just, it's one of those things that if you leave God out of those yeah. types of situations, especially as a Christian, the devil's going to take that opportunity to sneak in right. and That's make right. you look Because he wants to tear you guys apart. That's he right. wants to tear the church apart. That's what he wants he to wants do. He wants discord. Yes. That's what he wants to do. Is it better, better to be exalted by God or by man? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, definitely God. I know a lot of people who would far prefer to be exalted by man. Mo- emotionally, I'd rather have it from man. Emotionally, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, that feels good. Whoops, I bumped the camera. Is it still good? Um, <laughs> emotionally, it feels good when people come up to you and say, "Oh, Carrie, you know, you're yeah. such a great guy." Blah yeah. blah blah. You know, and we don't get that, you know, proverbial pat on the back from God, if you will. But but we kind of do, you know, when we're when we're doing well. But it's just it's different. Mm-hmm. The, the interaction is different. From the scriptures. There you go. Over and over again in the scriptures. We see instances where God affirms people. He, he tells them that they're on the right track, mm-hmm. that, that if they cling to Jesus, everything's going to be okay. Yes. And we know there's a crown waiting. That's what this whole thing about, is about. It's about faith. Mm-hmm. And we have that faith that we have a great reward waiting for us. That's right. And that's, that's our right. goal. That's, we're, we're, we don't like delayed <clears throat> gratification. We want immediate gratification. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, the human condition raises its ugly head. And we want emotional gratification. I mean, we don't. I mean, God is intellectual. He wants to give us that intellectual acknowledgement that we're His child. That we're. But that doesn't please our emotion, does it? But that God's do- emotional too. Okay. If you look at the life of Jesus, He wept. He laughed. That's right. I he guess. he played with children. I mean, yeah. man he, of sorrows acquainted with grief. <laughs> he, he knew all the sorrows of the earth, but he also knew the joys too, the mm. simple joys of of mm. life. And God created us emotional for a reason. No, that's a good point. Yeah, and you know, and and if you look at nature, I mean, he definitely has a sense of humor. I mean, some oh, of these yes. <laughs> some of these creatures are so cute they make you laugh. I mean, <laughs> make you laugh. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, care. <laughs> <laughs> I have a I've cu- got a soft spot, man. <laughs> I have a couple of rhetorical questions here you don't need to answer, but just in your head. What rights am I holding on to right now that actually might be a barrier to, to submitting to Jesus? And the other is, to what extent am I to endure discomfort so in order to serve others more effectively? Go ahead, care. They, they were rhetorical. 
That was rhetorical. Yeah. <laughs> you got to pay attention, Ricky. <laughs> Monday's, Monday's title says, Dying Comes Before Knowing God's Will. Uh, we have to die to self before we can know God's will. Ooh. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I can't have my, have my U-Haul behind me in, in, in behind the hearst? <laughs> As they say. Oh. You can take it all with you. Yeah. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let's take a look at that. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's 12, 1 and 2. And that says, and this is from the New King James, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Mm. So how do, we, how do we come to know the will of God? You, you, it just goes back to that, that death, that dying, that... Total submission. That total submission, oh. because if we're offering ourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and that's just called a reasonable service, we're not even going up and beyond here. Mm-hmm. This is reasonable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is what we're expected to do. But this sounds extreme. A living sacrifice. Oh, what do well, we think we're of supposed to we... be holy. We're supposed to be holy. What do we normally think of when we think of sacrifice? Jesus. Something dying. That's one thing. Something dying. Back in the, in the old biblical days, before Christ walked the earth, there was a sacrificial system. Mm. What did they sacrifice? They sacrificed the life of something that was close to them. Mm. So, so what is our living sacrifice supposed to look like? Am I supposed to go out and, and slit my wrists and be done with it? Some would, some would have you to think that. I mean, there's, a, there's actually religions that are based upon this self-infliction. Have you seen those, Ricky, where they slap themselves on the back with yeah. stuff? Yes. Yeah, they, yes. They, yeah. yeah, that's kind of scary in a way, but it's also very sad. And I'm getting a sign that uh, my part, my time in this thing is over, and I'm going to turn it over to Ruth. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're sad and happy all at the same time. <laughs> Indeed. (laughs) Well, the the part of the lesson that I'm dealing with today, it's willingness to listen. Willingness to listen. We're going to look at the life of Samuel. And let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter 2. First Samuel chapter 2. Okay. And we're going to begin with verse 12. Get your face right up in that mic there. Okay. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come with a three-pronged flesh hook in his hand while the meat was boiling. Then he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron, and the priest would take for himself all that the flesh hook brought up. So they did in Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Also, before they burned the fat, the priest servant would come and say to the man who sacrificed, Give me meat for roasting. Give meat for roasting to the priest, for he will not take boiled meat from you, but raw. 
And if the man said to him, they should really burn the fat first, then you may take as much as your heart desires, he would answer them, no, you must give it to me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Therefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Eli was the priest, and his sons were supposedly in training to become priests after him, because Eli was getting up in years. And they were not adapting to their training very well. Mm, no. <laughs> they had become very corrupt. Now, earlier in the book of Samuel, we find that um, Samuel was born to a woman in answer to prayer. Mm-hmm. She had not been able to have children, and she promised that if God would give her a son, she would dedicate him to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So when Samuel was a very little boy, he was taken to live with Eli and to learn to be a priest. And this is happens, and so Samuel, he is in the tabernacle there with, with Eli, and he sees what's happening with these older boys. I don't know how old they were. I think they were probably adults or very well, close sure, to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, definitely um, adults. Yeah. yeah. So um, Samuel had seen what these men had done. There had not been a prophet in Israel for a long time. Israel had a very up and down <laughs> relationship with God. Sometimes they would follow him faithfully and they would be blessed. And other times they would ignore God and worship other uh, gods. And then in this particular instance, the Philistines had come and they were just ravaging Israel. They were causing all kinds of trouble. I always like it in Judges. It's like, and everyone did what was right in his in, in, the, in their own, own eyes. eyes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. He's everybody was doing something different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, one night, and um, Samuel hears a voice. Let's turn. Let's see a little bit further. In chapter 3, he hears a voice. uh, Verse 4, the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. Samuel hears this voice, and he thinks Eli's calling him. This is at night. And he runs in, and Eli says, No, I didn't call you. Just go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed. The Lord calls again, Samuel. And Samuel hops up, and he runs into Eli, and he says, Here I am. You called me. (laughs) And Eli says, No, just go back to bed. Well, the third time Samuel calls, and Eli realizes that it's somebody is calling Samuel. And there's nobody else there to do it but God. Mm -hmm. And so he tells Samuel, Go back and listen to what God has to say. Tell him, you know, when the voice comes, say, "Here Here I am. And so that's what Samuel did. And Samuel gave, was given a message by God because he listened. <laughs> what a message, Yeah, too. what a message. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a young boy, but he's given this message. I have to interject something here. When you read that, that brought back 40-year-old memories. I remember you reading this to our son Jeff mm. at that time when he awesome. was six or seven that years old. That is awesome. <laughs> Well, um, 
Eli's sons were not interested in what God wanted. They would not listen. Um, if you read more of this story, you find that Eli did talk to his sons about this because he realized what they were doing was not pleasing to God. That's right. But they wouldn't listen. So well, what was he to do? A, you know, I, I read this story and I'm like, well, what was he to do? Because he did say something and maybe his sons were pretty big, you know, bully kids. And they're like, hey, old man, I'll take you out. You know, what are you going to do? We're well, in the priesthood. Actually, the priest had a lot of power. He could have commanded that they be removed. I, I think that's how that used to, am I, am I wrong? It, it should that? have. I mean, it, I think he had the power of the military behind him. Yeah. I think he could have, he could have said, look, you guys are done. Hmm. But instead he tried to, you know, and look, I, I, my heart and Eli's heart are bonded because I know exactly his emotions and his feelings that he was, that he was confronted with, with this issue with his boys. His boys were doing something wrong. He needed to address it in a very um, decisive way, yeah. an authoritative way. And he kind of like, hey, boys, you know, yeah, they're just... Being their buddies. Yeah. Being their buddies. Exactly. Mm. It, 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 again, the human trait. And as a father myself, I know you're a father, uh, you know, Dave and Ruth, they're, they're parents. Um, I mean, we can see the mistakes that he because made. Because we want our kids and to accept mm-hmm. us. We can identify it. Just like they want us. Exactly. To, you know, I had a great father. He, he t- would tell me, I am not your pal. I'm your father. Mm. Amen. Yeah, but he did so in a loving Amen. way. Amen, yes. That's what we're supposed to be right there. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's a quotation here in the lesson on Tuesday that I thought was really good. It's from a preacher named Charles Stanley, Mm -hmm. and he's describing how essential it is to cultivate openness to God's voice. He calls it shifting into neutral. He says, the Holy Spirit does not speak for the sake of passing along information. He speaks to get a response. And he knows when our agenda has such a large slice of our attention that it is a waste of time to suggest anything to the contrary. When that is the case, he is often silent. He waits for us to become neutral enough to hear and eventually obey. Mm-hmm. There are times in our lives when we are so dead set on what we're going to do that we're not going to listen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's apparently where Eli's sons were. Mm-hmm. They thought that they had the right to do what they were doing. And they weren't going to listen to Eli. Oh. And they weren't going to listen to God. You know what? That makes me think. Wasn't Samuel's kids the same kind of way? Yes. Yes, they were. We'll see that, too. Yes. Um, That just goes to show you. Well, he was raised by Eli. Yeah. And so he didn't know how. He was his example. He he Uh, passed on that that sin. And, And unfortunately, we as parents, I mean, who's to blame? Who's to blame for this type of, you know, thing? Yeah. I mean, how far back you want to go? Yeah. You, can, you, yeah. you can go all the way back to Adam on it this one. It goes all the way yeah. back to the Garden yeah. of Eden. Yeah, yes. it really does. Because God was a perfect parent, even, and Satan fell from heaven. So you can't blame God for being a, a bad parent or a bad guardian. No, he was the perfect example. He was the perfect example, and Satan had a, a free will. So there's that, you know, there's that involvement as well. There's that dynamic in there as well. Well, ultimately, Eli's sons chose to disregard all they knew about God. Mm-hmm. And Samuel was the opposite. Yeah, that's right. He decided that he was going to be faithful to God. And that's a decision that comes to every individual on the earth. 
We are the ones who decide whether or not we're going to follow God. Amen. Whether or not we're Amen. going to be saved. Our, now, our childhood has nothing to do with it. We have the choice, right? That's right. I can't yeah. blame my lack of submission on someone else. Yeah, I know. How many of us <laughs> oh, want to and how hmm. many? But that's what I have. I've been does guilty all and... the time. Yeah, the, the old man still raises up occasionally with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, less and less. And that's, that's how it should as be, right? As long as we keep less. on. Keep yeah. on growing. As long as we're gaining ground. Yeah. Well, we're going to look at another person. This time it's Saul. And we're still in the book of 1 Samuel, but this time we're in chapter 13. And um, it's verses 1 through 14. And I'm going to read the whole story here. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews' heart hear. Now all Israel heard it and said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines and that the Lord had also come, become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people following him were trembling. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. So Saul hadn't given up on calling on the Lord. And Samuel said, I'm coming. But Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. Samuel eventually does come to Gilgal as we read on. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering himself. Now, what was wrong with that? Well, it was presumptuous. And he was told not to do it Yeah. in the first place. He was told to wait. Who was supposed to do the offering? Samuel. Samuel was yeah. supposed to because he was the priest. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? Here's Saul strutting his stuff thinking, yeah, look what I've done. I've done mm-hmm. something good here. I've done a good thing. Now, I think Saul, there was another king who did the same thing, wasn't there? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, went into the and made an made a offering up in the temple and there was like 400 priests that came and got him and took him out. Was it uh, not Hezekiah? I don't know. I, I have to look. You'll have to look that up and tell us next week. Yeah. Maybe you guys know. You guys put them in the comments. It's a great time to throw that in there. <laughs> but Saul had a choice to make here. He could have looked at Samuel and had his heart broken and said, I've sinned. Mm-hmm. That's right. I wasn't supposed to do this. Yes, he could have. He could have repented right then and there. He could have repented right then and there. He would have been forgiven. That's right. Because God always forgives repentant sinners. 
But Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you didn't come within the days appointed and the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I've not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Excuses. Who was he blaming? Oh, man. Excuses. Excuses. He was blaming Samuel. Everybody but himself. He was blaming himself. Samuel. <laughs> he was blaming God. He was blaming everybody but himself. Yeah. We never do that, by the way. <laughs> never, never have I. <laughs> so Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. What happens to us when we refuse to listen to God? Well, we start listening to our own inclinations. And, you know, that our own inclinations are strongly influenced a lot of times by Satan and his... I'm sure almost we'll be... We'll find out how much. Yeah, we're going to find out how much, right? They're they're reinforced by Satan as well. Not just suggested, but... He's a master at making you feel good for doing what's wrong. Oh, boy. You know, yeah, like all your buddies are, like, coming up to you afterwards. Yeah, you did the right thing, man, you know. Yeah, they, they deserved uh, what you gave them. They, you know, that was that, that was definitely, you know, you, you're in the right. They were in the wrong. Well, whatever the situation may mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I hear this story, and the thing that popped into my head when I was reading it and doing it was like, you know what, even though that God rejected me, I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to plead with him. I'm still going to grab a hold of him. I was thinking, you know, if Saul would have did that, if he would have repented, like you said, and cling to the Lord, you know the Lord was going to have mercy on him. I mean, that was his, it's like, oh, I'm being rejected by the Lord. No, please don't, you know, don't reject me. I'm going to, I, I try to prove myself and I don't know, win myself back to the Lord. Well, there's, there's a good example of that, because when you're looking at, like, David and his sin, I mean, he was he was guilty of murder. Mm-hmm. I mean, straight up murder. Mm-hmm. Now, he could have said— Adultery and murder. Adultery <laughs> and murder. And he could have said to God, you know, if you hadn't allowed this woman to be bathing out in front of me, I mean, and and besides, you know, I mean, I had to—I mean, he could have made a hundred excuses. I mean— mm-hmm. but, He was supposed to be with his troops. But that would have— he wasn't. <laughs> but instead, he fell down. He said, I have yeah. sinned. Yeah. And he felt horrible. Horrible, yep. Well, the lesson suggests that there were three steps that led Saul down the road to self-reliance. The first one, Saul said, I saw. The scattering of his troops in Samuel's absence, he, he was under pressure. He saw what was happening around him, and he was scared. He, he knew things were not going his way, mm-hmm. and he was worried. So he saw a situation. The second Thing he did. It says he moved from I saw to I said, and he started telling himself that the Philistines were going to conquer him. He started believing the worst. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I started imagining all these scenarios right. in his mind. What he saw with his own eyes, he, he let be built bigger and bigger in his mind. And then Saul moved from I said to I felt. He let his emotions take over. Mm. Yeah. Oh. And oh. that's that's when everything went to pot. 
I have a friend whose favorite phrase is, well, how does that make you feel? <laughs> when you start making decisions based on how you feel, yeah. I believe you're in big trouble. You're in big trouble. Yeah. yeah, you've lost the battle already. Yeah. Yeah. How does that make you feel? All of us have done mm. this. We rely on our own human eyesight, and sometimes we don't see things as they are, which leads us to re- rely on our own human thinking, which is not always right, and which leads us to rely on our own human feelings, and then we act on the feelings. Yeah. And it gets us into all kinds of trouble. Hmm. The question that I circled here, it says, why do you think it was so easy for Saul to follow his own judgment, even though he had God's clear instructions still ringing in his ears? Well, we don't have to go far for that answer, because, I mean, that's, that's the life of the Christian right there. Hmm. This is the struggle that we that we put ourselves in. We often think, oh, God is sending all these, all these um, uh, trials to try us, when in reality all we've done is just gone against God and brought some calamity on ourselves. You know, Nine times out of ten, right? Yeah. It's crazy, though. I, it's all a test. Everything is a test. I mean, with the children of Israel at the Red Sea, he brought them to the Red Sea. He led them. It was a test of faith. The Lord led you all away. He took you out of the land of Egypt. He's going to take care of you. Even though it looks impossible, he's going to take care of you. It's taking away God's authority and putting it on yourself. Oh, yeah, right. Ultimately, that is exactly what it is. Well, here's another question. What can we do to learn to trust in the Lord's commands more than we trust ourselves? Oh. Um, practice, practice, practice. Yeah, right. right. Because if we, you know, if we can gain a victory somewhere, you know, if we have victories, I mean, we all have victories, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if you've been a Christian for any length of time, if you're, if you're a real Christian, I mean, if you're really seeking God, you have those victories, you can look back on those and you can say, you know, he delivered me back then. Mm -hmm. He's going to deliver me now, even though it looks pretty, pretty bleak. It's going to be hard, but I, it, that's what we're going to look forward to, too. It's going to get rough. We're going to be at, like, the Red Sea, and we got to do it. we got to trust he's going to take care of us. I can tell you one thing. The older you get, the more trustworthy God seems in your own eyes because of the experiences that you've had throughout your Amen. life. Uh, for a young kid, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. But it's, as I say, practice. Mm. 